0: Good morning! Welcome to Honey in the Rock, your daily dose of inspiration and encouragement. We look forward to having you on the show. This morning's episode is titled, I Will Worship Toward Thy Holy Temple. It shall be focused on a study of Psalms chapter 138. Before we go any further, we'll begin with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank Thee, Lord, that by the name of Jesus Christ all flesh is saved. There is no other name, Lord, by which we can be saved. Every knee will bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Lord, give us a spirit of desperation through love for You, to be desperate in serving You and recognizing how close to the end of the age we're living. Help us, Father, to... Share the gospel with that sense of desperation and encourage others to serve you with all their might and everything within them. In the name of thy Son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Up next, we shall listen to Psalms chapter 138.
1: Psalm 138, a psalm of David. I will praise thee with my whole heart. Before the gods will I sing praise unto thee. I will worship toward thy holy temple, and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth, for thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. In the day when I cried, thou answerest me and strengthenest me with strength in my soul. All the kings of the earth shall praise thee, O Lord, when they hear the words of thy mouth. Yea, they shall sing in the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord. Though the Lord be high, yet hath he respect unto the lowly, but the proud he knoweth afar off. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, thou wilt revive me. Thou shalt stretch forth thine hand against the wrath of mine enemies, and thy right hand shall save me. The Lord will perfect that which concerneth me. Thy mercy, O Lord, endureth forever.
0: Forsake not the works of thine own hands. Up next, we shall listen to a sermon. By Reverend William Branham, titled Desperations. This was preached in 1963 on September the 1st in the evening. We'll begin a paragraph 52 up to paragraph 115. I trust you'll find it to be a blessing.
2: Now, I believe that we're living in the days that we're, uh, otherwise the days that we're living in should Cause the church to go completely into desperation. Amen. I believe since the message this morning from God, not me. I believe that order to draw this into our congregation into desperation.
3: Amen.
2: That we have played long enough. Amen. We've went to church long enough. Amen. We got to do something. Amen. Amen. How is it that we can see other great signs and wonders done on others, and what about us? It should cause a state of desperation that we are determined before God the signs of His coming should bring this entire congregation when we've read it from the Word. And The Holy Spirit has told us, go at a certain place, such and such a thing will happen. Not tell us what it was, but it would happen. We go there; it happens that way. The newspapers packet, the magazines packet, show the picture of it. Come back here and see those great mysteries hidden in the Bible open up to us on a new field that we never know before, and perfectly blends into the coming of the Lord Jesus. At the end of the message, you see the action of the great Holy Spirit. See Him come down visible before people. Even take pictures of it. See it working and showing that it's not a man, it's not just a preacher, it's not a certain congregation. It's the Holy Spirit showing the same thing it did when it was embodied in the body of Jesus Christ. Now it's embodied in the body of His bride. Amen. It should throw us into desperation. Those people had seen the hand of God. And that night of the communion, they took it with the, in desperation. Because they know that something was fixing to happen. And we know something's fixing to happen. Amen. And remember, the coming of the Lord will be a sudden secret going away. He'll come and take her like a thief in the night. And a think that if somebody, all of a sudden there's, members of our family gone and you're left behind, oh, it should throw us into desperation Amen. that by the grace of God we'll not be left back behind. Amen. Because anything I don't want, don't be don't leave me, Lord. Amen. A few days ago, I was hearing Mel Johnson sang that song, Remember Me When Tears Are Falling Down. Amen. Yes, remember me when friends are not around. When I cross over this river of Jordan... When you're called in the role, remember me. Yeah. And on the Lamb's Book of Life, I want my name wrote. I want him to remember me when the roll call. And it throws me into desperation. That is like Paul said, after I preach the gospel, shall I be a stowaway? St- st- shall I be a-, a cast off? It could happen. So it throws me into a desperate stage, desperation. To think of, after all these years of preaching, would I, could I, a place come where I could fail him? What's the next move? What must I do next? And it throws me into a nervous stage. And what can I do? It throws me to the mountains and to the valleys. That's hard. Because when I'm with the people, I've got to be all things to all men that I might win some to Christ, yet with that token always before me. And I see things that's coming up, and you can't tell the people. You see different things, and you're forbidden. Then visions that they call on, and sometimes they'd be sorry if you did tell them. And you know better than to do it. And then you go so far in visions, that everything becomes a vision. It throws you into a nervous stage. You, you're looking and saying, now I'm out of vision. Like sitting right here. Is this a vision? Where am I really standing at? You you overwork yourself. You overtax yourself. And you find out things about people that you wish you didn't know. The people that desire these things to know these things, they don't realize what that type of ministry costs. You don't know what goes with it. Then it throws into desperation. Lord God, I'm going to have to answer. Jack Moore said to me one time, I'd hate to have to answer like you have to at the day of the judgment. He said, God has put these people into your hands, and you're going to give an account for every one of them. You're going to answer for your ministry. That's been about 15 years ago, or maybe 18, and since then I've been in desperation. What will I do? Let me say only what you say, Lord. Let me tell them what's the truth or don't say nothing. It throws me in desperation. Then seeing these signs coming, seeing the Holy Spirit take us out there and bring these seals and lay them in like that, bring the church agents and lay them in, then come down in a great big pillar of fire back there and and reveal himself. Then come down on the next thing on the seven seals and reveal it here and put it in the papers and magazines. Then come in and take the angels of God, them seven angels with seven messages, and confirm it exactly what the Bible says.
3: Amen.
2: Then during that time, come up and bring in those, seal, those signs, flashes of the end time, and bring it up to the people and tell them what it was and all about it. And the Lord working right there, showing Himself present. And then right down like this morning, come up and require that token on every person. Amen. Amen. Then you're my people. You're the ones that I love. These and them's listening to the tapes and so forth. Then you see what desperation puts me in. Amen. Desperation. Signs of His coming should throw every member of Christ into desperation. Now, about our souls, about our, our, our welfare for hereafter. Well, what are we going to amount to if we gain the whole world? What are we, what are we living for? What do you work for? What are you eating for? What are you struggling for? To live. What are you living for? To die. And you're not fit to live until you're fit to die.
3: It's
2: true. And we see so many miracles of healing. It should put us into desperation. If that little boy, am I I'm looking at Miss Paul now? Uh, is this Mrs. Peckinpah? Uh, are you the one who had the boy here or something there? Well, here's a woman sitting right here I was talking about. I just have to look over and see her. Now, if God can do that for that little boy, it ought to throw you into desperation. Uh, a man from New Albany, he may be here tonight, he's a friend of my brother uh, Roberson. Uh, uh, had a little boy here, I think his wife had cancer once and was healed. And, and now the little boy's got asthma, so bad, to, uh, he's just in bad shape. Little fellow, almost cancer throat himself. See. And then uh, he brought the little boy. Yeah, you know, see his hand up in the back, back there. Was prayed for this morning. you See, desperation. When the wife was about to die with cancer, he knew that God could heal her. If God could heal the wife, God can heal the boy. Amen. And it throws it into a state of desperation. See, you must come. And when you're desperate, then God's going to listen to you. But if you just slope it, you don't care whether it does or not, well then, that's different. You say you do, but it takes desperation to do it. I believe that the reason we don't have desperation is because it's a lack of love, the love of God. I think that the love of God causes desperation. If God is in you, the token inside of you, and you see the conditions of times and people waiting in sin, The way they are, it'll throw you into desperation. I believe it will. Now the word plainly states, if you want to put this down in Galatians 5 and 6, that faith worketh by love. See? Faith worketh by love. And the only way that you can have faith is have love uh, first, because after all, faith is love's incentive. Incentive, that's exactly what, what faith is. It's an incentive to love. Now, you, if you don't have love, you can't have faith. Amen. See, how can you have faith in your wife if you don't love her? That's right. infilio. Now, how about the gospel to God? How can it be if you don't love God? Right. If you said you love your wife and never tell her about it, never sit down and make love to her, express her to her, kiss her, hug her, and tell her she's the best cook in the country and all the things that you know and how pretty she is and how much you love her. If you don't do that, she'll never know it. That's the way. If you do love her, you express it. That's the way we do to God. When we love Him, we tell Him about it. We sit down and we adore Him and worship Him. See, love drives us to that. Now, what if something's got to be done for your wife? Well, I throw you into desperation to get it done. Amen. What if somebody says your wife's got cancer? Yeah. What if somebody says your, your wife's got TV, she's fixing diet, you, you, you'll do anything. See, it'll throw you into desperation. That's the same thing that it is. We must have love before we can have faith. And faith, when we have genuine love, what does it do? It pushes our faith out on the battlefront for
3: God.
2: Amen. Amen. Genuine godly love for God and for His Word and for His people will push faith out there. Amen. Love just takes a hold of faith and it's all let's go. Amen. And out it goes. Because that's what love does. John 14, 23, Jesus said, If a man loves me, he'll keep my words.
3: Amen. Amen.
2: Now, he can't keep his words without having faith in what he said.
3: So, you see, if he
2: loves God, then he keeps God's word. If he said, I'm the Lord and healed thee, he believes that. Love makes him believe it. Because love dominates all. Though I speak with tongue of man and angels, have not love, it's nothing, see. Though I have faith to move mountains and have not love, it's nothing. Love dominates all because God is love. A God of love. Now... Yes, sir. If Jesus said, "If a man loves me, he will keep my words," we know it is true that God will meet a desperate soul. Uh, we all know that, but it usually takes something to drive us into that, uh, to that despair, to the desperation. It takes something to do it. We find out in James 5:15 that the Bible said that the affectional. Fervent, that's desperation. Infectional, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. When a righteous man, a good man, gets in travail or soul travel, or travail, I think travel is a better word. Travail or travel, either which one you want to call it. But when a, a soul gets in a desperation, in an affectional, fervent prayer of a man that can show the token, it does something. Amen. Notice what the Bible said here also in James 16, 516 says, if confessing our faults, getting right, making ready for it, confess our faults one to another. Amen. Having no, no faults, uh, that ask people to pray for you, confessing our faults one to another and praying one part of the other. Amen. There you are with love, love that i got confidence I can confess to you my wrong. You can confess to me your wrong. I love you well enough and I'll pray for you and you pray for me. And we'll stay with it with a personal prayer, prayer until it's answered. That's, that's desperation. That's what we should have all the time. Let's take some scriptural examples of that. What happened? Now for another about 15 minutes, the Lord will Jacob. He was a man. He was first a little kind of a carefree boy. He thought in his own mind that he knew that the birthright meant everything to him. And he didn't care how he had to get it, just so he got it. And after he got it, he thought everything was all right. Because he had the birthright, he thought the thing was settled. He talked to his brother when he was hungry, coming in from the field, from working with the cattle and hunting the deer. And His brother he, he needed a big pot of potash, wild peas, and, and things together. Might have been very tempting when a man's hungry after walking all day. And his brother said, "I'm just about ready to faint. Give me some of this." And he said, "Well, uh, if you swear to me, I get the birthright." He didn't care how he done it, just so he got it. And he thought when he got the birthright, that settled it. Pentecost—that
0: that's where you
2: failed. You thought because you were born of the Spirit, born of the Spirit of God, the birthright, that settled it. But it only starts it.
3: Amen.
2: You remember in the message of, of hearing him, how that the child after it was born in the family become a son, it had rights to the birthright, but it had to be proven. Child trained and then it, if it did not prove out to be a, an obedient child to the father's will, then it must be uh, did not get the, the was not the, become heir. It heir nothing. Yet it was a son, but he aired nothing if he wasn't interested in the father's work. And so when the Holy Ghost fell upon the Pentecostal people and they began to restore back the gifts and things that was in the church, they thought because they were born of the Spirit, that settled it. But you see, there's a placing of a son. And after this son proved to be a real son, then he was taken to a public place and then was set up and changed robes and set up there. And then there was a placing of the son that he had and of everything the father had. God did the same thing for his son. On Mount Transfiguration, he was overshadowed by uh, the uh, cloud and was transfigured. And his rain would shine like the sun. And a boy said, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Moses and the law had failed, and this is him. He, him. he was placed. See? Now, Jacob thought because that he had the birthright that everything was made. So did the Pentecostal people and they began to organize the the oneness, treaters, and trinitarians and all kinds of organizations and fussing and pulling one another. Proved that the token wasn't shown. Malice, envy, strife. See? But that's where it got to. Now, see, Jacob thought the same thing. But, in fear one night of his own life, desperation took a hold of him. When he thought but just across that river yonder, my brother's waiting to kill me. He's going to see the birthright that he had gotten was the thing that was going to cause his death. And sometimes that very thing that you receive as the Holy Spirit and it is, and are born again of the Spirit, if you don't watch, that same thing will condemn you at the end. That's right. The very waters that saved Noah condemned the world. The thing that, that you would call fanaticism might be the very thing that condemns you at the end of the road. Now, Jacob knew that his life was closed at the end.
0: He had a messenger
2: come told him that his brother with 400 armed men was coming to meet him. Note he was on his road. Fear took a hold of him. He sent man on ahead with ox and cattle and sheep to make a peace offering with Esau. Then after that, he started another group with another load of stuff. Then he started another group with another load of stuff, trying to meet him first to try to turn his wrath. Then he got to thinking that won't stop him because he's probably richer than I am. He doesn't need it. Then he took his wives and his little children and set them across and Esau would see them little children and his wives and surely on his own little nieces and nephews, he would not slay them. Then he still couldn't do it. God knows how to get a man. Jacob crossed the road. There he got down on his knees. You know, he'd probably been a kind of a little shyster before that. Excuse the expression, but kind of a little... He was a Jacob. Jacob needs a deceiver. And that's what he was. But something had to happen to him. There in desperation. There when death lay before him. There may be men and women sitting here tonight. That death lays right before you. And the only way that you'll ever be able to achieve the thing that you're wanting is to desperately come. I must have it tonight. Amen. I get it now or I'm finished. Amen. Tomorrow's too late. I must have it now. Amen. When you pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the token, don't say, well, I'll go and try. Lord, uh, I'm a little tired. Oh, mercy. Stay in your seat. Don't even make an attempt. If you come say, oh, I'll pass through the prayer line, put the water away. my I'll see if it does me any good. Might as well sit where you're at. Until right. you get to that place. Until the whole church gets to a place. Amen. That is between death and life. You've got to have it now or Then God will move on the scene. It takes desperation to bring God on the scene. Amen. Jacob cried like never before. Desperately he called until he got a hold of God. And when he did, he wrestled not for 15 minutes. He wrestled to keep him in his soul all night long. And still, he knew he didn't have the blessing. And he was able to hold on until the blessing come. He wrestled desperately until the blessing come. Then, and when he seemed. Until God came on the scene, and then in despair, I'll not let you go. When he begin to feel the blessing coming out, a lot of people say, Glory to God, I got it now. There, you're deceived. Yeah. Somebody say, Oh, I just feel so good, Brother Bram. Oh, I went out and prayed, Oh, shivers run over me, and uh, that, that might have been God. I saw a great light before me, that still might have been God, but that ain't what I'm talking about. Amen. The Bible said in Hebrews, the sixth chapter, the rain falleth on the just and the unjust. Just the same. Now you take wheat and take weeds and put them in the field. And the rain is actually sent for the wheat. But the rain falls on the weeds the same as it does the wheat, and the rain is the weeds is just as happy about the rain as the weed is, and it's a very same rain.
3: Amen.
2: The very Holy Ghost can fall upon an unbeliever and make him act just exactly the same way a believer acts. But by their fruits they are known. Amen. That's what I'm speaking of. That's a token. And David, uh, uh, Jacob, brother, in desperation. He said, I know, I feel you. You're here with me. But I'm not going to let you go. Somebody sees it, find the personal sensation, jump up, down, up, down, say, I got it, I got it, I got it. Oh, no. Mm. No. Jacob stayed there until something happened that made him walk differently. Made him a different person because that he stayed until that happened. And he was able, the Bible said, he held until he prevailed. How can a man prevail over God? But you can do it. You can do it. A man can prevail over God. One time there was a man named Hezekiah had been told by the prophet, Thus saith the Lord, you're going to die. Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and in desperation he wept out, Lord, consider me. I've walked before you with a perfect heart and I need 15 more years after God had told him that something's going to happen. He's going to die. And in desperation he changed the program of God. Desperational. He wept bitterly. Desperation. Jacob stayed there until the blessing came and changed his name. From a deceiver to a prince with God. Even the nation was called by his name. Yes, sir. What was it? The results was because he got desperate about the thing. And the next day when he met Esau, he didn't need any guards. Walked out in man. See why he got gotten desperation till he got the assurance, and you get desperate until you get the assurance. If you don't, don't even come to be prayed for. Don't even come to go at the altar. Wait till it's between life and death to you. Then something will happen. Certainly, desperation. Ruth got desperate one time when she stayed by Neoma? Would she have to go back to her people? To all that she loved and all that she she worshipped, her gods and her people, or would she cleave to Nioma? What must she do? And she got in desperation and she cried out, "Where you go, I'll go. Where you live, I'll live. Where you die, I'll die. Where you're buried, I'll, buried. I'll be buried." And your God shall be my God. There you are. Desperate. God blessed her. Gave her a son. Oh, we oh, got Jess. Jess forgot to just come Jesus. Because desperation. Like the little harlot Rahab. She was desperate. She knew that death lay before. She's under judgment. And she got desperate said, I'll hide you i out of do anything. anything. Only swear to your God that my house will stand. There you are. He said, oh, if you take this token, it will. Eliezer got desperate when a responsibility was placed upon him. The honor of bride for Isaac. Ezer of Damascus was a great man. He was favored by Abraham. And he was trusted by Abraham. To go out and hunt a bride, a right type of a bride for his son Isaac, through that would bring forth Christ. Now, Easier, being a spiritual man, knowed what it meant. The right kind of a woman had to be that, that man's wife. How would he choose it? In the hour of his desperation. When he arrived at the city, he prayed and said, Lord God, that's the day When you get desperate, go to pray. Lord God, let the first maid that comes forth and waters the camel and gives me a drink be that. He prayed in the hour of his desperation. Amen. Rebecca, the beautiful maid, came, watered the camel. and Then he said, Don't delay me in my way. She had to come to a time of decision. What if she would go, she was a type of the bride. Would was she, was she go and marry a man who she's never even seen? Now that's a great thing. Never even seen him, yet you'd only heard by his servant. That's a type of the bride. You've never seen Christ, but you hear by his servants what he is. You sell out everything, leave your homes, everything else it takes to go to find him. Now notice, and she made the decision, the type of the bride left her denominational home. <laughs> See? They're going. Jonah, thrown overboard in the time of a storm, in the bottom of the sea, in the belly of the whale. All hopes of survival was gone. But it happened to come on his mind that Solomon and dedicating the temple said, Lord, if the people be in trouble anywhere, and they'll turn towards this temple and pray then here. And turning over in the belly of the whale, managed to get somewhere to his knees, I imagine, with the bottom of the whale all over him. There he prayed in desperation. And in that desperate, just a few breaths of oxygen is all he had in the whale's belly. And in that few breaths that he was drawing, maybe he didn't know which way he was, but said, Lord, I believe I'm looking up for Dozier Temple. And with just a few breaths to go in desperation, prayed. Under those circumstances. Never been done before, but he was desperate. He prayed. And God kept him alive for three days and nights and delivered him at the place to deliver his message. Desperation. Hannah, a barren woman in the Bible, she wanted a son. And she got the fasting for him. And she fasted and prayed until even the priest of the temple thought she was drunk. She was in such desperation with the rest of the women watching what kind of a bonnet the other one had wore. You know how it goes. And the other one seeing what kind of clothes they had on and talking about the things going on on the farm. But not Hannah. She stepped right through the whole crowd and went to the altar. She'd been fasting. She wanted her reproach taken away. What a difference it is. It's almost a reproach to have a child. That it was a a reproach not to have one. And she got on her knees. And she never noticed the dignity of the temple. She never noticed the dignified priest as he walked out. She was in such distress, sort of tears just rolling down her cheeks. And she was crying in desperation. Oh, Lord God, give me a son. Give me a son. Notice, she wasn't selfish. When God heard her and answered her prayer and gave her a son, she gave him back to God. And because that she was willing not to be selfish after God had answered her prayer, he gave her a prophet. That was an extra blessing. Oh, he's just full of them. Those little extra things that he gives. Not only a son, but a prophet. And there had been no open vision for many, many years in Israel. Samuel, the first prophet for many, many years. Because a mother got desperate that she could have no children. And she was past the age of bearing, probably 60, 70 years old. And she prayed with desperation, she must have this child. Why is it? God had spoke to her, no doubt. You can't be desperate until God speaks to you. Oh, church, rise and shake yourself. Pinch your conscience. Wake yourself up. In this hour, we must be desperate or perish. Amen. There's coming forth something from the Lord. Unnoticed, thus saith the Lord. There's coming forth something and we better get desperate. Amen. It's between life and death. It will pass through us and we won't see it. Because that she wasn't selfish, she was given a prophet. The Shunammite woman had a old boy that the prophet had spoke the word of the Lord over though she was old and her husband old. They had no children, but she was kind to this, this prophet, and she knew that he was a man of God. She perceived that he was honorable, a real man, he come into the house. Her husband not there, and whatever more, he was a holy man. They could see that he was an honorable person. She'd watched him do signs and wonders. She'd heard him tell things that happened. He was an honorable, holy man. She said to her husband, I perceive that this man that stopped to us is a holy man. The lady of the house, she knew that he was a holy man. And she built a little house out there for him so he wouldn't be embarrassed. He could come by when he wanted to and so forth. She put a, a little bed out there and a, and a jug of water and so forth so he could wash himself and have something to drink. And she'd probably send a maid out or somebody to book her with, with some food to feed him and come by and bid the, the day to him or something. And so when Elijah saw this kindness done to him, and it's written, What you do to my little ones, you do it to me. So uh, she saw that the woman was honoring God as she honored this prophet, as she seen God in the prophet. And so uh, she wanted nothing for it. It wasn't her heart for anything. She just done it because she loved God. She didn't do it for any blessing. She just done it. Now, now Elijah said, go ask her, shall I speak to the king for her? I'm a personal friend. Or the chief captain, I, I know him real well. There's some favor, something I could do for her. I want to give her something for a while. she's been to me. She's, she's fed me. She's let me sleep in the beds. And, and she's been real nice to us. Now, what can I do? She said, no, I just dwell among my people. We're we're well off. We have a living. And that's all. We don't need nothing. And a, a Gehazi said to him, but she doesn't have any children. No more Gehazi saw it, no doubt. The prophet saw a vision. For he said, thus saith the Lord. Go tell her. In appropriate time or the proper time, a year from now she'll embrace a son. And the son was born. When he's about twelve years old, how that old couple must have loved this little boy, their only child. And one day he's out cutting wheat with his daddy. Must have been about the middle of the day. He had a sunstroke, I suppose, because he began to holler in my head. He got sicker and sicker. His daddy had to take him from the field. And it's such an emergency there that he sent a servant and sent him in. The mother held him on her lap until noontime, and he died. Notice, her only child that had been given to her by the Lord through the prayer and the promise of a prophet, and thus saith the Lord. She know there was something wrong somewhere. It just wouldn't work. How would God give her that son and let her, her love come to that baby, yet she never asked for it. She was too old to have it. The hand of God had to pronounce it. A man spoke at the prophet, and there this baby in this condition had died, her only son. So she said to the servant, Solemn, me a mule, and you ride, right, and don't you stop. If anybody tries to stop me, don't you say a word. And you go straight to Mount Carmel. Up there in a cave somewhere pulled back. There's a servant of the Most High God. The one who told me, Thus saith the Lord, I will have the baby. I don't want to know why God did this. So it said, Go straight forward and don't check that mule. Let him run. This is hard as everything's in him. Let him run. till you get there. Desperation. Yeah. Elijah the prophet raised up. Looked and said, Here comes that Shunammite. And there's something wrong with her. God's kept it from me. I don't know what's wrong. said, go beat her. I got us hurry. There's something wrong. Desperation set in on the prophet. Desperation on the woman. See, they were coming together. One wanting to know what the word of the Lord was, and the other didn't know what the word of the Lord was. Here you are. One wanted to know it, and the other didn't know it. The woman wanted to know it, and the prophet didn't know it. said, God's kept it from me. I don't know what to tell her when she gets here. So she's almost there then. He raised up his hand and he said, Is all well with thee? All well with thy husband? Is all well with the child? Now the woman had reached the end of her desperation. She said, All is well. well. Glory! All, all, well. all, well. all, all is well. Her desperation is over. she had found the servant of the law. If he hadn't been there, she'd still been in desperation. But you see, he was there. She said, all is well. Elijah thought, well, what's going on now? So she ran up and fell down at his feet. That looked kind of uncommon. So Gehazi just lifted her up. He said, let her alone. Don't do that. Elijah said to his servant, don't do that. Let her alone. There's something wrong. God keeps it from him. Then she revealed to him that the baby was dead. Now the prophet didn't know what to do. He said, Gehazi, take this staff that I've walked on. He knew that whatever he touched was blessed. Because it wasn't him, it was God in him. He knew who he was. He knew that he was a prophet. So he picks up this staff and said, Gehazi, you take this and you go and lay it upon the child. And if anybody speaks to you, you get desperate. Don't you sleep nobody and let no just keep going on. Don't speak to nobody. Hunt it up on the child. But the woman, that didn't end her desperation. That didn't satisfy what she come for. She said, As the Lord God lives, I'm, I'm not going to leave you until you go minister to the child. And Elijah got desperate. And here he went. Down the road, him and the woman. And when they got there, all the people were out in the yard screaming and crying. And the woman had done the most appropriate thing that could be done. She tucked the baby and laid him on the bed where Elijah had laid him. That was as good as staff. And he didn't wake up there so the thing wouldn't work. (laughs) She wanted to know something different. The prophet went in. Now he's in desperation. Now what's he going to do? And we find in the Bible that he walked up and down the floor desperate. I don't know nothing else to do, Lord. Here yeah, I am. You told me to speak that to that woman, and thus saith the Lord, and it's exactly the way I told her, because you told me. Now, there she's in trouble, and I don't know what to do. There lays a dead boy. What can I do, Lord? No doubt the Holy Spirit said, if the God is in you, then lay yourself on the baby. First thing you know, he stop. Run put his hands upon his hands. His nose upon its nose. His lips upon its lips. And when he laid his step forward, the baby sneezed seven times. That oh, yeah. Desperation was over. Amen. The baby comes to life. Because desperation drove the woman to the prophet, and desperation drove the prophet to the baby. Both of them draw God on the scene. With love of God and love for His people, brought the love of God down and thrown faith out on the battlefront, and the work was done. Amen. Days closed. (laughs) Amen. That's it. Desperation does it. Certainly.
0: As we get towards the end of this episode, we'll end with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, as David was saying that you will perfect all that concerns us and that your mercy endureth forever and lord like his his cry before Thee, lord forsake not the work of thine own hands father we know that we know whom we've believed and we are persuaded that he is able to keep that which we have committed unto him against that day so father may you keep our souls help us to be diligent in serving thee in the name of thy son jesus christ we pray amen Now we'll leave you with the parting song. God richly bless you.